Before we start this episode of Doctor Who's Cast, we'd like to draw your attention to BLAM UK, a charity which promotes a truthful discourse of blackness through analysis of history by providing more diverse education for young people. Right now, you can donate to help BLAM organise free lessons on black history for children. And if you are a white fan of Doctor Who and want to continue to learn, educate and be more actively anti-racist, I'd like to recommend the podcast Woke Doctor Who, who have done several episodes on how race in both the fandom and the show has been portrayed. I'd especially recommend the episode Martha My Dear, which goes a long way to explain the toxic institutionalised racism that we as Doctor Who fans need to reject in ourselves and in our community to create a better world. Will, I have been wanting to ask you something all week. Oh, go on, please. Are you Team Javert or Team Valjean? <laughs> um, now, this is a quite a loaded question. I've once played Valjean. Um, I think I was a very good Valjean. Um, couldn't when when did you play notes. Valjean? Uh, when I was 18 years old, when I was bright-faced and bushy-browed. That is um, a peak time and... to play a world-weary ex-convict. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it was the right time. I think it was. I've just it seen was... so much at eighteen. Yeah, it was. I really could bring such an emotional gravitas to the role. Uh, Javert <laughs> is the, is my answer. I'm team. You Javert. think he was in the right? Oh, if it's a question of right or wrong, I I didn't know if it was just like standing. I stand Javert, even though I disagree. How can you with stand someone if you don't think they're in the right? Um, I mean, I stand most of my reality TV housewives that I watch. And I really don't think that right. <laughs> okay, this is a great uh, chance to introduce our guest, Alex Wilcox. Hello. Uh, team Javert or Team Valjean? Uh, I actually have a pretty similar answer to Will, to be honest. Of, like, if it were standing, it would be Javert. But, like, Valjean is in the right. And, like, I support Valjean in all of his endeavours. The problem with Valjean being in the right is that he's just too right. He's like... Oh, no, he is a bit pious about it, isn't he? Yeah, but that's the problem. Is that like... I mean, he he does steal stuff, like he does break laws, which is cool. Yeah, but it's in the first seven minute montage he breaks laws. That's the that's the first like like <laughs> when I say montage, I just thought of like the um, Joseph Mega Mix, the like Valjean. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> uh, Tali, I would say on the subject of breaking laws, um, it's it's about a revolution. So there's there's a few laws broken, in fact. Yeah, by most it... of the characters. Um, so, you know, That's uh, true. law-breaking is quite an important aspect of... But you still stand the most zealous, law-abiding character. Yeah, because he's, you know, he's quite... He's got the best songs. I love conformity, me. I love being pushed in a little box. <laughs> That's what I love. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to know what you do in a little box. <laughs> <laughs> And that will, that brings us up to introducing our new cottaging podcast. <laughs> the Doctor uh, cast. This isn't yeah. what I was told. <laughs> this isn't what I was uh, told. Surprise, we can confirm Alex. that this is exactly what Alex was told, yeah. and I have and I have backdated text messages to prove it, <laughs> which will not not show on the podcast because they're just pure filth. Also, that visual one. Yeah, um, but there will be like an accompanying PDF to this file. That's cool. That's multimedia. I like it. I mean, it's the future, mate. Yeah, we release a PDF with the podcast of a transcript every week as well. <laughs> just, just, just so people can get the nuance of what we're saying. Um, 
there was nuance to anything we were saying. Oh, I don't know. It's hashtag Team Javert. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So that brings us into introducing um, this episode of Dr. Heathcast. Yes. I am Charlie Harris. Hi, my name's Will Paxton. And I'm Charlie Harris. And I'm Charlie Harris. <laughs> and I'm Alex Wilcox. <laughs> and I'm Spartacus. And I'm Barbara Balgettis. I'm Jean Valjean. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Uh, okay, this uh, is... What? I don't know who's John Valjean, but I should have done and I'm Javert. What am I doing? Because that... yeah, he actually says, and I'm Javert, that's his line. And I'm Javert! Yeah, we know how it goes, Will. Yeah, sorry, I did that classic musical theatre thing of, like, whenever someone says a line, then you immediately have to sing it. I'm very sorry, because I'm aware that that annoyed everyone at university. <laughs> <laughs> if I wanted to talk about musical theatre on this podcast... I'd have introduced the topic of conversation <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast. Oh, no. But let's talk about what we actually were here to talk about. Let's talk about season one, episode six of Doctor Who, which is... And our deep-seated rage issues. And our deep-seated rage issues, Dalek. Which is fitting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Actually, yeah. So yeah, we're here to talk about season one, episode six, episode Dalek. Episode Dalek, yeah. Written by... Robert Shearsmith, is that his name? No, Robert Shearman. Shearman. But are you thinking of Reese Shearsmith, who plays Patrick Troughton? I think I got confused because Alex said Sheridan Smith, and then I'm like, Shearsmith? Yeah, that, sa- that sounded like a... I don't think it was like just a deep cut to Reese Shearsmith. <laughs> yeah, it did sound like an amalgamation of Reese Shearsmith and uh, Sheridan Smith. the name that you said. He was also in a Doctor Who episode. Yeah. Which, which one was he in? Much later on, isn't it? Sleep No More. I don't. He's in the found footage one. I don't remember that episode at all. Well, it's fine. We've only got five years until we actually get there. <laughs> at this rate. Um, okay. Yep. So, Will, why don't you take us through what happens in this episode um, in about a, in about a minute? Oh God, here we go. Um... Right. Okay. Is everyone? Alex, you haven't heard me do one of these so far. Have you? I haven't. No. I'm excited. I am woeful, but, that, <laughs> but it's, I think it's fun. Um, okay. Um, start the clock, Charlie. Um, the Doctor and Rose arrive in a very terrible museum. Like it's not very well designed at all. It's it's just an average museum. Uh, they turn up and there's this guy, Henry Van Staten. He owns the internet in 2012. Crazy, right? Um, he goes down to the vault and it's his biggest specimen and turns out it's a Dalek and Christopher Eccleston goes all eye and he says there's lots of things with eyes and smiles and bad things uh, Rose meets a guy called Adam uh, it's not that exciting um, and then she touches the Dalek the Dalek kills everyone and kills itself in the end I realise having a countdown clock serves no purpose <laughs> <laughs> do you know what the countdown clock just made me just made me panic 
as it did last week. <laughs> uh, I, we I thought it worked quite well. I thought like you got through the pretty much most of the plot in a very short space of time. I'm very oh, impressed. Thank you, Alex. A round of applause. Come on, you're invited back. Yes, it's worked. Now I just need to win over Charlie. <laughs> I've seen through my cunning plan. Is that Harriet Jones? No, it was Blackadder, but it also could be Harriet Jones. He never says you've seen through my cunning plan. Harriet Jones does. Does Harriet Jones say she that? She does. You've seen through my cunning plan, Doctor. Um, she gives a, she gives the coffee to Ganesh, and he says, "Oh, you can't go in." And she says, "Damn, you've seen through my cunning plan." Oh my God! Yes, she does. Yeah. But that's not this episode, so let's stop there. No, that, that um, was last episode. Not completely, but just. So yeah, uh, what do you, what do you think of this of the story of this episode? One of you. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. who, who was that should I be Will or should I be Alex? Because neither of you had anything uh, well, to say there. I'll, 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 go and, I'll go and say that I think this story is like, quite, quite good. It's, it's, it's quite good. It's one of the better episodes, in my opinion. Um, and uh, I, I'm a big, big fan of uh, making the, the Time War um, pop so much in this episode. Of like the fact of the parallel between the last Doctor and the last Dalek is mm, ah, love it, absolutely love it. Of you get a lot of oh, the, this is the first time we see a Dalek in the new series, and it's sort of it, it teases a lot of like the future Daleks that we're gonna get of like how are they gonna be, but also gives us a little bit of sympathy for them, and I think that's 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 gorgeous. I love it. It's brilliant. I think that's really cool too. Do you think it kind of ruins the episode that it's called Dalek? Yes, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, we see the dark so so quickly, um, but that that impact does have a little bit less sort of like hit. But also, in the next time, they showed in the next time people were very angry that it showed a clip of the Dalek in the teaser for the next week. So people knew for a week there was going to be a Dalek. That was how it was going to look in an episode called Dalek. I think the teasers in Doctor Who have always been a bit problematic. Like they've always shown way too much than they should. They should have already shown. It's always. It's. I don't know if that's the design for sort of kids that they want to have a next time and have something to look forward to next week. But for me, I always get quite annoyed with the next time. I always remember like season ten, John Smith Sim as the Master's return was completely ruined because it was in the trailer before the series. Oh yeah. And I was like, that's just bad marketing. But I, th I think it was um, revealed before the teaser came out. I think people did already know I about think it. The... I think it was leaked or something. But yeah. I get what you're saying. Well, it, I, I, I suppose it's quite easy to leak a Dalek on set, isn't it? Can't really go anywhere. Sorry? <laughs> Can't really put, like, paparazzi sunglasses on and, like... They could, like, put away. it in a bit in, like, a big mailbag and just wheel it. <laughs> <laughs> this is, of course, before, really, everybody had the capacity to just sort of, like take and capture every single moment of their lives and so like the, the production like designers they wouldn't have just gone like selfie with the Dalek immediately but but also they would have known that a Dalek was probably going to show up in the new season of Doctor Who the question was when and I think it was more this episode and that they knew it would be here well did you know that there was a that, that this, ep this episode could have not existed in this format at all um because the Daleks are owned by Terry Nation, who's the original writer. And for the new Doctor Who series, he didn't want to give the rights. I think it was his estate. I think he was dead. 
Oh, okay. He's just, is Terry Nation? I thought Terry Nation was still alive. I'm going to Google this. I I, I, I saw. I thought he was like 110, like just stroking a Dalek on, <laughs> on, on, on his like life machine, life support bed. Is That's he uh, really, really... Is 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 he a do- uh, like not a doctor? Uh, like James Bond villain with a with a miniature Dalek instead of a, a cat. <laughs> No, you'll never get the rights. No, he's got the uh, like he's got like the organic Dalek. Uh. Look, he died uh. in he died in 1997. He died in 1997. So he was alive to um allow the rights for the um the reboot. TV movie. The TV movie, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> the attempted reboot. He gave the rights. To- oh, to be fair, if he got burnt by the TV movie, then I guess he wouldn't want to have given the rights to the TV show. Did the TV movie kill him? <laughs> yeah, I think it might have. Honestly, the shock of that Doctor Kiss might have just killed him on the spot. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what a way to go. <laughs> I mean, as we, to be fair, I don't know if it's the, what what would have killed him in that episode. Do you think it would have been the Jizz Snake? Do you think it would have been the Kiss? Yeah, the Jizz Snake. Oh, I'm glad you said it because I don't want to say Jizz Snake. But <laughs> oh no, our, our our Doctor Who bonus episode is called Jizz Snake. It's not called Doctor Who the movie. Oh my god. I also call it transparent anal beads at one point. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. But we're not talking about the TV movie. That's not all we're here But we are talking about anal beads. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we get like ads, ad revenue, and it's like, Love Honey oh. by the Doctor Who podcast. Have you used is Love Honey, Charlie? Love Honey, yeah. It's, it's, is, is that what it's called? Yes, it's a, it's a very good website. I believe there's a promo code under Doctor Who's cast. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to... So go to lovehoney.org forward slash Doctor Who's cast. I think um, um, the podcast, um, My Dad Wrote a Porno, has, a subscri- has like their ads to like Love Honey and Sex Toys. I think I had that in like season one or season two, which I love. That's fantastic. Um, oh yeah, we were talking about Dalek. If that you... was great. Um... Oh, it feels like so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so what would have killed him? I think it was actually it was probably just the fact that there are Daleks at the very beginning of the episode shoehorned in that you don't see in the TV movie. Yeah, and he was all about seeing those Daleks in all the colours under the rainbow that was pos- that was possible. It was Terry Nation. He's like, let's Dalek make Christ. them black, let's make them gold, let's make them red. Like, that's what Terry Nation's, like, reaction to Daleks was. I say that, actually, that's a bit rude to Terry Nation, because he is responsible for the first Dalek story, which is good, and Genesis of the Daleks, which is really good as well. Um, so I shouldn't be too rude. Was he behind Was he behind Doctor Who and the Daleks? Yes. That's, uh, he's the, he's like, Terry Nation, I always think of as that other Thunderball writer who wrote, who wrote Never Say Never Again. That's Terry Nation to me. It's like I will write se- several Dalek stories and make Doctor Who not the main not the main person. That's that's what he did. Although Peter Cushing is Doctor Who, I'm not going to complain. But he was called Doctor Who. Yeah. He introduced himself as Doctor Who. Hi, <laughs> I'm Doctor Who. No, Peter Cushing, you're not. You're the Doctor. I'm Doctor Who. Shut up, Peter. Yeah, sorry, it infuriates me. Doctor Who. <laughs> It's like a weird Abbott and Costello routine. <laughs> I'm Doctor Who. Doctor what? No, Doctor when? Oh dear. No, Doctor Who. <laughs> Doctor why? Oh, Doctor why? No, Doctor Who. Doctor where do I get all these names? Um. So, do we usually talk at this point about either the companion or the Doctor. Who 
do you think this is a bigger episode for? I think there is something very useful to say about the companion, uh, or more importantly, the new companion, who re- joins very briefly. Um, Spoilers. Who, oh, yes. I hate. I hate him so much. And I know the point is you don't like him, but, like, I hate him. I hate him much less in this episode. In this episode, he's too naive to hate. I, I Well... I don't know. I feel like every time I watch this episode since I've watched the next episode, I can't get out of my head how much of a prat he is. And I'm like, oh, I see all the, yeah. I see all the signs. But I remember that time, I used to be very sexually attracted to Adam when I saw Dalek for the first time. It was one of my um, early, early awakenings. That is such a weird awakening. Maybe it was just a, a straight man being nice. <laughs> <laughs> The um to be to be fair, I will say that when I first watched this, I very much remember as a kid being like, "Yay, a new companion!" And then I, I, I was the same. So I was exactly the same. But the next episode, being like, "This guy is the worst." That I have developed quite quite an unhealthy hatred for <laughs> for this individual. But then, like, I got very excited when Captain Jack turned up. Yeah. But yeah, no, I I agree. But I think that. With Adam, they should have either doubled down on him being such, like, an insufferable know-it-all, or they should have made him more like, but I feel like they're kind of somewhere between the two, and it's just a bit... He's a bit wet as well, that's the thing. He's just a bit away. It feels like one of the... It feels like the episode just stops and has a five-minute tea break of, like, get get a cup of tea, do whatever you want, when that sort of, like, romantic music with Rose and Adam comes in. Like, it's just exposition for the first five minutes, and then it's, like, a couple of lines about like like ish flirting it's not even not even flirting it's just like awkward lines said to each other it's the most mm-hmm. like as rose is written as we've discussed charlie before of like this sort of like new modern not the typical who fan type of thing this romance sequence is really written like a victorian like victorian periodical what like it's talking, terrible what are you it's talking like... about <laughs> what do you think they should have just suddenly started fucking in the, in like that room no, but they shouldn't. They shouldn't do this awkward. Like, oh my god, you said that. I didn't mean that. Oh, oh, you. Oh, oh. I was like, oh, stop it. I get so frustrated with the, the, these like love scenes where they're just like. It's also true that in a lot of Victorian periodicals, um, the guy will say that he hacked the Pentagon. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like he hacked the Pentagon for a bit. You know, it's quite, it's quite common. I believe Mr. Darcy said that. Quite common in these ancient uh, romance stories, the sort of like Austins and the, like you know when we get a romance in Dickens, is the, the the male lead will say, I, "I hacked the Pentagon when I was when I was a kid as a bit for for a bit of a laugh." How how old did he say he was when he did that? Did he say six or like it was some sort of infant? It was uh, like five, or, or, or I think yeah, it was or something, something weird. Old. I hate that trope so much. <laughs> Child so genius. Much. Hack something else. Stop hacking the Pentagon. Hack something else. <laughs> If everyone hacks the Pentagon as much as everyone says they'd hack the Pentagon, we'd be we'd be in a much less safe world. But also, why have a Pentagon? <laughs> I should probably not come out too much against tropes like hack the Pentagon when um, later I'm sure I'm going to talk about how much I love the fact that the main baddie owns the internet. <laughs> no, I love that because it's so weird and it reminds me of the IT crowd. Yeah, yeah, there's a box and he's got it. <laughs> um... I, I, it's also kind of a bugbear of mine that they say, oh, I hacked into the Pentagon. Because, like, the Pentagon's a building. Yeah. Adam, when he was six, picked a lock at the Pentagon to get into the... <laughs> <laughs> no, he hacked into the Pentagon, as in, like, he got a hatchet and just started hitting the wall. <laughs> like, the Pentagon as... I'm, I'm just 
checking out the, the Pentagon is, yeah, it's where the the Defense Department. I love that all the things to Google. That's the thing you Google. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, it, it's just podcast the pentagon like you didn't <laughs> hack into the pentagon you hacked into the department of defense it's just unless you like hacked into their catering server or something i personally like the idea that like you know this is this is um some sort of weird future where the future is 2012 um which just dis- disconcerting i love it uh, incredibly but um does, does it make you, you feel very old no <laughs> <laughs> if you rewind time like he's he's doing this probably in about like 2004 2005 is he doing this about afghanistan or the iraq war like is that is that why he's hacking into the pentagon no because if you assume like he's early tw- if you assume he's early 20s and he's five when he does it let's go back like 15 15 years approximately that's like he's doing it in 19 19- oh wait sorry yeah it's set in 2012 my mouse doesn't work so, so this five-year-old um, had a very keen interest in the first Afghanistan war. In, of the late 90s? <laughs> yeah. He was just a huge fan of the Serbian government. He, could, he couldn't see it. He was upset. He, he, he thought that <laughs> the, the, the American West was a travesty. As we know now to be the case. Mm-hmm. This is a complete tangent. I'm just, I, I just want to oh, shit on really? Adam's more. Because why not? Um, I feel like that's what we've been doing for the last 20 minutes of a Dalek podcast. You've done a total 180 Um, from him being your gay awakening (laughs) to I hate this man. Yes, but I'm saying at the time, I'm not saying I've got good taste. I'm just saying... No one could accuse you of good taste in romantic partners. Have you seen my shirt? Anyway, (laughs) um, for the audience, I'm wearing a shirt that literally is is literal fire. It is literally a fire. Um, and got some palm trees on it. Very, very cute. Well. Very. I cute. might just take a screenshot of like me doing this for the, the, the Instagram eventually or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> um, Adams. This is actually no. This is a good. T- this is a good crossover. What I was going to blame Adam for. Brown shirts. I hate his brown shirts. Does he have a brown shirt? Yes, he has a brown and like checked shirt throughout the whole episode. Yeah, his cost. His costume's not good. It is quite ugly. It is. I th- I thought it was very like mid two thousands. Yeah, this is why it's very ugly. <laughs> yeah, but I've seen. Isn't it so weird? Van Staten has like a tuxedo jacket, and yeah, a tuxedo jacket, and then sort of like an a brown and shirt. cream shirt. Have we got different? Do I see colours differently to you? I thought he was wearing a purple and black shirt. I don't know. I always get the shirt. This sounds really stupid, but I always get like the brown and blues and like the dark coloured shirts mixed up in old Doctor Who. <laughs> and I say old Doctor Specifically Who. Specifically in old Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. When it when it was black and white. No, I mean I mean new old Doctor Who, not old old Doctor Who. Um, I just feel like the toning on a lot of this episode because it's so dark. I can never really tell what Adam's exactly wearing. All I know is it looks terrible, <laughs> and it looks brown in my eyes. But should we should we should we take a moment? Uh, talk about the the instead of talking about the the horrible new companion let's talk about the the one shining well the, one of the shining beacons of this episode which is christopher eccleston um as the doctor in this episode he is astonishing oh he's great i don't think it's it's not the first time we see him like do do this kind of thing but it's 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 the levels in which he does it these the 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 mania of his laughing to the anger of his shouting it go, it, it, it's it, that monologue at the start, uh, duologue, like, rather, um, is just 
fabulous. What we do really get um, with Chris Rexner in this is um, he's able to sell what is a really quite stupid, like you know, premise and storyline. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of like weird, like sort of like uh, deliberately like silly lines. I mean, you know, I've already mentioned the owning the internet and like the cure for the common cold as well. Like there's a lot of sort of like stupid, really funny stuff going on. But Chris Eccleston is able to sort of really break through that and sell it as well. So you get this really nice, um, uh, this really nice sort of like, uh, 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 you get to have it both ways. You get to have some like quite nice drama with the Dalek, but you also get to, you know, it's quite light and it's quite fun and it's quite silly. Um, yeah, I think I think Chris Eccleston is responsible for a lot of that as well as I, I would say Russell T Davis is the master of all of this. Well, that scene was written to be sillier, to be funnier. They kind of had it that he was going to be... Obviously, you still have bits of him making fun of the Dalek, but it was written that that was kind of going to be the norm of his tone, but he decided to make it so angry and so painful that that's the way they decided to go with it. And Robert Sherman was like, okay, actually, no, that's a better way to go about it than, than what I thought, which I think is really interesting. And I think it, I think Christopher Eccleston is what stops the Doctor becoming really detestable this episode. Yeah, that's fair. Because you see all the pain and all the hurts on his face and in his voice, in all the decisions he makes, even when he's being an arsehole. It has a lot of parallels, I think, this sort of like anger from the Doctor with the, um, much later on, the David Tennant uh, showing no mercy when he's, um, you know, killing off all of those aliens. I can't remember the exact episode, but when he's... I think we, we know the moment, you know, when you can sort of see the flames reflected in his face, and he's... Oh, um, yeah, Runaway yeah. Bride, killing, killing the yeah. Ragnos. Yes. But, yeah, you, you do see shades of this, that he does have this really brutal streak. And that, that's, that's, that's the parallel with the Dalek that we really, that we really get really well in this episode, of mm. he is, at his worst as heartless and as cruel as the Daleks. But at his best, we also see that the, the Daleks can be um, given a sort of like a, a string of compassion. And it's that, it's that human element that's trapped in between of like the Doctor has sort of like human qualities, the Daleks used to have human qualities that have been taken away. And in the middle, you get humanity that's sort of like pulling in between the Daleks and the Doctor. Of both have those extremes, but humanity is sort of like the stabilizing force there, which is shown by Rose. No, I, I think that's shown so clearly by how she's the one that kind of adds this human streak to the Dalek so it can't kill her, but she's also the one that stops the Doctor from killing the Dalek. Yeah. I think as an audience member, I think that the Doctor and the Dalek's reactions to each other especially the Doctor Doctor's almost overreaction and immediate anger, adds to make the Dalek more scary, but immediately immediately makes it more sympathetic at the beginning, which allows it to become much more dangerous later and it to hit you harder, mm -hmm. because it, it makes it more complex. It doesn't just make it a robot. It makes it something that's living. You feel like it's living from it's because of that speech. Because it could very easily be mechanical. I don't know if this will be an experience, uh, I imagine it will be an experience for lots of uh, people sort of our age who watched this episode and hadn't really had an experience of Daleks before. Like I've watched a bit of Old Who, but like not too much at this point because I, I started to get into it. Yeah, and and we will have all experienced our parents going like, oh, Daleks, they're scary. Mm. Used to hide behind the yeah. sofa from the Daleks, and so we're like, 
oh, but it's just one and it's chained up and it's, you know, it's being tortured and it's all sad and the doctor's being mean to it. Why is everyone being mean to it? And so it does have that element of our, our, our most experience of the Daleks is from other other sources. It's from the Doctor overreacting. It's from our parents overreacting. Um, and then when we do get to the sequences where the Dalek is, you know, slaughtering everybody, we're like, okay, okay, okay. It's fucking <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, no, yeah, it's terrifying. Does this episode have the highest body count? One of them in Doctor Who, yeah. No, no, of of the new of the new series so far. Yes, it does. I'm just trying to think of... Because technic- 200 people died. In the Slidine episode, the only people who really died in that episode was the the, the duplicate humans. So that's about 18, 20 of them. I'd say about, at the most, about a dozen people died in the Slidine episode. Oh, no, I think about 40. In the Slidine episode? Because all the experts died. Oh, good point. But there weren't, there weren't 40 of them. No, but if you count that plus all the du- the, the Slidine duplicates, because they've all had to die to get in there. Anyway, maths. <laughs> it doesn't get up to two hundred. Um, yeah, it's the way that it kills them. It's 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 the sort of the. I think the the scary part of uh, the difference between Davros and Dalek is Davros is the, is Hitler and the Dalek is a idea of fascism. It's fascism in a pet pot idea. Um, and what's scary about the Dalek is it's 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 never-ending quests to kill. It's like it's always going to get you. It doesn't matter how slow it is, whatever. It can break any lock. It can suck you to death. It can download the whole internet. We'll go back, come back to that. Um, it can revolve. It has shielding that that blows up bullets. Um, it can fly. It's got a laser ray, and suddenly the, they just they just build these up so slowly. They're like, oh no, you think the Dalek can't do this? It can do this. And they just keep on adding scarier bits about it. That that is that is a real strength of this episode is the ability to, um, you know, they, they start by mocking it a little bit of just like, what's it going to do with the sucker? And then the sucker, you know, sucks on his face, and then, and then, and then, um, uh, uh, the picks the lock essentially, and you're like, this is ridiculous, but also this is a terrifying war machine. Yeah, but that's that's that strength actually came from Robert Sherman when he was writing the episode. He said to his girlfriend, what are the shittest things to you about the Dalek? Why isn't the Dalek scary? And she was like, okay, well, it's got a fucking plunger. <laughs> it can't turn around if someone's behind it. It can get damaged by bullets and it can't get upstairs. And he's like, okay, these are the things I need to disprove. These are the things I need to show that it can overcome. Because, yeah, one of the, um, I'm thinking about a lot of... Um old who moments are there is a, just a sheer number of Daleks that the Doctor has to face off and they're usually sort of like an invading force or they're trapped in a location just a few of them with quite a large number of Daleks uh, and so to f- for this episode to have one and you know face off against like an army of soldiers that's you know that that's that's this Dalek's got to do quite a lot of work and to, it's a masterstroke yeah to put it to put it on its own against all of these opponents and sort of like prove that it, it you know it is a powerful weapon in and of its own right that's you know that is that is definitely done by this episode and i would say that the daleks don't have a individually threatening like individually like weaponistic threatening sense again there's a sense of scariness of mass mass amount of them and the cult of scaro is a different idea i don't i think i think it's a different da- type of dalek idea 
that they can think and they're imaginative. That's the scary thing about the cult Scaro is that they they can plot, whereas a normal Dalek can't. But like in yeah. terms of the scariness of the fact that they will hunt down and kill, like aspect of it, you never really see a, another Dalek shooting many other humans again. Potentially the end of the potentially the end of the series. Um, that that. But they're scary. weird because they're like half Dalek, half human hybrids. Yeah, exactly. Um. um yeah, I, I I think you're I think you're right about that. I really like the cult of Scaro, but I think there is this thing of the more Daleks there are, the less frightening they are, because it undermines how formidable one of them is. I also think when they do a multi-Dalek story, for some reason the operator inside the Dalek suit just turns a whole lot more campy. I don't know what it is, but like in this episode, like every single movement of the stalk and the eye and whatever is done for like. A, I I I was watching this episode again. And I was just like that operator inside that Dalek suit is doing a really really good job of like, like emoting mm -hmm. in inverted commas as a Dalek would. But then if you get to the later Dalek stories when there's multiple Daleks, all of a sudden this weird thing gets introduced where every any time they're um, angry, they just sort of wobble side to side. <laughs> and I'm like, you've just forgotten all the nuance you introduced in the first Dalek episode. Yeah. Why are they wobbling? They look like they're going to get too angry and it's just keel over. Well, a big difference <laughs> with this episode as opposed to, I don't know about later ones, but previous ones, in original, um, who you had two operators for a Dalek. You had a, an operator inside and someone doing the voice. Whereas in this one, you have three. You have someone for movements, someone for light, and someone for voice. So there is a bit more attention paid to the minutiae of the way the Dalek's moving. And I think that's totally to its credit. However, I think that would be unsustainable if you try to do it on a much bigger scale. Mm, yeah, when there's, there's several other Daleks there. Yeah. Um, but I, I also love that this, you said about the cult of Scaro and how they're a bit different. I love how this is like a typical Dalek. Yes. How this is an ordinary Dalek and it embodies one ideology to such an extent that once you take away the ideology it can't function exactly i think that's um i think that's really cool i've just i really hate how it heals itself because i love the <laughs> no I, I i love like the battered dalek look because the whole thing is like it is sort of an external manifestation of what the doctor's going through and i think once you get rid of that i think it's a really cool design for this introduction of the dalek and i think it's such a good almost like level one dalek to have to deal with well especially when you get to the end of the season and exactly. there's more daleks if you had the new daleks being gold and shiny as opposed to this one dalek that's really battered i think it would be more scary also in terms of toy sales you'd probably do much better because people would buy the buy the lone dalek and then the expensive shiny Daleks rather than just by the shiny Dalek. Um, All right, George Lucas. Yeah, I know. I just, I really <laughs> turned into like a, a, a Star Wars capitalist. That was really scary. <laughs> but yeah, what do you think about the design of the Dalek in this episode, Alex? Uh, yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's got its traditional roots as well as being sort of like shiny and new. And I think that's really quite, quite effective. It's, it's, honest to its roots at the same time as looking a little bit nicer um and the uh, i i absolutely agree with what you're saying about the operating of the fact that they do get a bit sort of um yeah maybe maybe not lazy but sort of um generic uh yeah generic with it um as as things progress but you know this this is 
one Dalek, we need to have a lot of focus on it. I think it's understandable that once you get like dozens and dozens and dozens, you, you can't really give it that attention. You can't really give it that that love and care like you do in this episode. Mm. Um, um, I have a, I think the Dalek looks quite steampunk. Yeah, like the, it's the it's sort of the gold. It's like a goldy bronze, and it looks almost like a like a I don't know. It just looks a I tank. Think it looks steampunk. Yeah, it it's lo- like yeah. very metallic. It's like I think it looks like brass. Yeah, it's, I don't it's think ste- I don't think steampunk because there's no steam. Could you imagine if the Dalek just had like a like a one bit of steam just coming out from the top of its helmet? Had goggles on it <laughs> <laughs> and a top hat. This Dalek is called Biggles. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but there is there is a um there is a steampunk Cyberman episode in the next Doctor. You've you've reminded me of um another sort of like monster moment that's quite quite effective right at the start that's a really good foreshadowing of both the Dalek and later episodes mm-hmm. of showing the Cyberman head. Yeah. Yes. Um and and they're able to say, Oh look, these are old villains. They're still around, we still care about them just before they reintroduce Dalek, mm-hmm. but also able to say like later right. on, Cybermen, they're 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 gonna matter. They're still in this universe. They're still a part of everything. And I think that that's a really nice moment to to show us what is what it's it's a it's a very traditional Cyberman head as well. I think it's from one of the older shows. It might be the prop that they've got lying around. It's from nineteen sixties. It. Sure. It's from the nineteen sixties. I think it's nineteen sixty nine. It's Patrick Troughton's last last season. Oh, yeah. it's that old. I thought it was like a seventies one. That's really old. Yeah, it's really old. That's only like their the second appearance. So it's from it's from an episode called The Invasion, which is when uh, the the Cybermen inv- invaded London. It was very much like the Dalek invasion of Earth. They did for Patrick Troughton. They get they uh, did the Cybermen invasion of Earth, basically. That's um, so cool. Because if if an idea idea hasn't worked, try try again. Um, and they do uh, a big baddie invasion of Earth for Doctor Who very frequently. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like um, Remembrance of the Daleks is. Uh, like Sylvester McCoy, Dalek's Invasion of Earth, isn't it? I cannot believe you brought up that episode because I am I am currently like on my phone now. I'm like I'm 15 minutes through. Like, <laughs> you should be focusing on this podcast. Why are you watching an episode of Doctor Who? Because it's about Daleks, and this episode's called That's... Dalek. <laughs> but you're not watching it while we're recording. No, that would be bad. I'm just like, wait one second. Sorry, Sylvester said something. Um, I've I've got Google open with Cult of Scarborough to be honest. Nah, <laughs> um, well, I was gonna, I was going to take on Alex's point quickly before we move on. Is that um, I completely agree with you about that Cyberman thing. But the best thing about that whole bit is the fact that the Cyberman is not named. That head is not named. It's just left as like a as as an Easter egg, which we might get to at the end of this podcast. Um, but it is. It's just a small thing that doesn't have to be ever mentioned again. But it, but it still like it still gives a hint of like what's to come or what could come, without losing the reveal of season two, the Cybermen being actually there. Mm. When you said they never name it, I was thinking, what if you went, it's Dave? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Dave! I remember Dave. Yeah. Dave the Cyberman. Dave, Dave the Cyberman. Dave was a good one. He almost killed me and one of my companions. <laughs> Dave's a great one. It's Julie from HR. Yeah. <laughs> Us Cyberman HR. Oh my god. Or would it be CR because they're not humans? Or H.2R? C3PO, human cyborg relations. <laughs> no, because in uh, Age of the Cybermen, they say we are human point two. Oh, I hate when people say point two. I find it so, like, you know, when you hear things and you're like, that's just so, like, annoying sci fi. 
like human point two is annoying sci-fi imagine if you asked how old someone was and they said 23.2 i'd much rather we are human edition 1.125 we are human uh, squared we're working on another patch that puts us on 1.2 um later we're hoping to get to 1.2.2 open brackets to, you know uh <laughs> We're currently in the beta phase of, uh, uh, like, human upgrade edition. We're hoping to start some testing soon, have a new people. Uh, you can own the beta phase. It's works. free. You can own the beta phase. <laughs> but honestly, you you wait until 1.2. <laughs> if you did kickstart the Cyberman project, you are able to get in on the early access beta, which allows you to get into the credits as well. <laughs> and you get this mug. <laughs> <laughs> Cyberman mug. It's a Cyberman. Oh, I want a Cyberman head as a mug. That sounds quite militaristic. <laughs> that sounded like I was going like, I'm going to kill a Cyberman, take its head, hollow it out, and turn it into a mug. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I promise it's not that. <laughs> I want to buy merchandise. Will, can you set me up? Yeah, definitely. Well, you could use the Cybermen, like, the little the little straw things as, like, a straw. You can just, <gasps> like, just take the, take the tube and then just drink your tea. I don't want to drink tea through a straw. Yeah, why, why did you go with tea? You mean, like, a milk... A milkshake would be better. Oh no, no, no! Have you? Do you drink milkshakes with straws? Yeah. Because if you get to the end of the milkshake, especially with these new, um, not I'm, I'm not complaining because global warming is a real thing. But like, especially with like, if you what? get a milkshake with a, um, with a one of the new paper straws, paper straw. if you get to the end of that milkshake, that that straw is no longer existent. That is just in the milkshake. Well, get over. If it. you really want to be disgusting, you can eat the straw and get a bit more flavour. Don't eat paper straws. This is the public service announcement. Don't eat yeah. paper straws. Or metal straws. That will not go well. Or definitely don't eat metal straws. <laughs> I've been chewing it for days. It's not working. But once you get once you get to the end of a milkshake, just drink it without a straw. No, because then what's happened by the fact that you drunk it in a straw is that there's half the straws in the bottom of the milkshake and sort of solidifies into like this milky glutinous mass. Especially if you've got like if if you've got like a chocolatey like richer milk. I don't know why I've I've started like gesticulating as soon as I started like voguing as soon as I, think, I went chocolatey honest, milkshake. Well, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, well, I think your problem is you're not drinking the milkshake fast enough. You're letting the straw dissolve. I'm 100% with Alex on this. I am a quick milkshake drinker. But then you get brain freeze. You have to deal with it. So you deliberately drink milkshakes fast and deal with pain. Why well, don't you just drink it? I slower. deal with pain every single fucking day. <laughs> That's the human experience, baby. I am open to the good and the bad of life. Yeah. Um, and I am of... the richer for it. Yes, I think so. Um, speaking about um, the good and bad of life, um, in t that's a really bad transition because I'm, I'm going to talk about how Rose is so stoned in this episode and it makes no connection. Um, Rose throughout this episode is giving the face of someone who's stoned out of their mind. She is like reacting at things that are not there. She's smiling at the doctor. She's sort of like gumming at some point. She's just like, it's, it, she is gone. No wonder she invites Adam. She has no idea who the fuck he is. The real bit for me is when she's cornered by the Dalek. The Doctor thinks she's died, and she she stands there in front of the door, a bit like she's on like the cover of a magazine showing off her jeans, <laughs> um, in front of the Dalek. And it's like, this is my outfit. You can buy it from Zara. And it's a bit like, uh, like Rose is Rose is great in like ninety percent of the episodes, but like this 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 moment, I'm I'm not a fan. Looks a bit camp. 
Then again, so does the whole episode and the whole series and the whole show. So, no, <laughs> uh, um, I think she's very specifically brownie stoned rather than joint stoned. That it, it kicks in over the episode rather than immediately. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, she very clearly, before they came out of the TARDIS, said, you know, I'm not feeling anything. And I could murder the bit in this episode where the Dalek says, um, like, you've got to save the woman you love. I, I, I could murder that moment. I hate it so much. Where has that come from? Is that Has that been set up in a big way? If so, The Dalek is shipping so hard. Yeah, it's, uh, I've downloaded the entire genetic material of Rose, so maybe, Doctor, you and I... Uh, we can head off. It's, 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 you know, the Dalek and the Doctor hook up. I texted um, Will uh, when I saw the end of this episode and said, 10 out of 10, that Dalek would have made a better companion than Adam Mitchell. <laughs> True. 100%. Um, Imagine, like, redeemed Dalek becomes Doctor Who companion. I'm here for that storyline. Also, if Rose, if, if the Dalek gets all of its genetic information from Rose, how does the Dalek read Chris Freckleston's minds to know that she loves him? Or is that what Rose thinks? Is Rose is like, she, he must love me. So the Dalek is I mean, like, he, the woman you love. Also, memories from genetic information. It's not how, oh. that's not how genetics work. <laughs> that's camp. This isn't that's Assassin's camp. Creed. <laughs> Met Gala 2019, I mean, I'm, that's I'm, camp. I'm, I promise I am not here to pick on like the, the scientific reality of this episode. <laughs> Um, because I, if you try that with Doctor Who, you're on a losing battle. But the other moment that does strike me is, um, like, clearly there's some sort of, like, X-ray technology going on from this Dalek, like, shooty gun. Um, it doesn't strike me as an electricity weapon. But when when there's that pool of water, and, like, he shoots the, the like, you know, the X-ray, like, radiation gun, uh, we don't know what it is, at the water it electrocutes everybody. Um, even the people wearing rubber boots... Which the um the, the the show gives us a very deliberate shot of their rubber boots once they've been electrocuted and like I, I don't know. But the guns have presumably got metal on them. Yeah, but he's he's shooting the ground. I'd love if there was just a shot of like everyone like incinerating. You just see these rubber boots in perfect condition, just like singeing slightly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought I thought the sprinklers were on. And they were coming down. Yeah. So I suppose, yeah, if, if, if you're electrocuting from above, I, I don't know science, um, surely if the rain is hitting you above and you hit here... This is a losing battle, guys. No, I'm not. This is definitely why I preface this by saying not to pick the science. But, um, <laughs> there, are just, there, there are just these moments where I'm like, what? What? Okay. This is why Leonard Nimoy hated Star Trek conventions. Oh my god. <laughs> it is certainly the power of the episode that like when it was happening, I barely cared. Um I was like, ha ha, they were electrocuted. The thing I cared more about is that if without that um oh yeah, we without that frankly amazing Dalek rousing score, because this score by Murray Gold for the Daleks, I think is some of, still some of his best work. Like anytime that score shows up, I'm like, ooh, Daleks. Um, but job. if that score was not included, that those extras should be shamed because their deaths were terrible. <laughs> I'm having a real problem with these Doctor Who extras these, this season. They're not getting good ones. They are not hiring good extras. I think you mentioned Murray Gold, but I think the sound design of this episode is by and large totally flawless. You have like the acoustics in that scene where it's the Doctor and the Dalek and there's like a, a, a slight echo 
and you just kind of feel it kind of drives home just how isolated they are in that space. Um, also, I think um, Nicholas Briggs voicing the Daleks just does a fantastic job. Like just subtle variations in the way that he delivers some of the Daleks' lines. It does so much to make the Daleks more sympathetic. For me, the best performance is, and it's not necessarily of making the Dalek more sympathetic. It's just when he goes from being touched by Rose to like en energizing, and that's it. Literally, is a, is a, is a scale. It's amazing how it, it goes from so yeah. low to so high over like twenty words, and every single uh, word is a progression. It's amazing. Do you think that the Dalek is the villain of this episode? I'm very glad you asked that because I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Either. I think that the villain is um, what's his name? Van Staten. Um, American. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about this, and I, I think this episode. I, the best way to view it is kind of a character study of the Dalek, and how that affects the Doctor. And yeah, I, I agree that the worst character is Van Staten because he isn't programmed to be a monster. He isn't programmed to be greedy could have done anything and he chose to do this whereas the Dalek kind of has no choice yeah that's a that's that's a very fair insight I really like that actually yeah because because are you a villain if you don't have a because I, I, I when I think of villain I always think of an intent I think of a plan and an intent whereas the Dalek is following the whole point of this episode is the Dalek's following orders so is that a villain because the, has the Dalek got free thought about following those orders and, and when the, when the Dalek's desperate for orders and doesn't get any the Dalek starts to find some sort of redemption in like the people that that that's around the dalek which is rose i agree and also when the dalek realizes that there is a choice even if the choice is just kill others or kill yourself when he realizes that killing itself is a real option that's what it chooses i i also think it's worth saying in the van staten front um uh his um assistant um uh, uh, Diana Goddard. Um, the fact that she replaces him at the end, I'm I'm a big fan of that. Just her whole arc of like at the very start of the episode, she is introduced as like, oh yeah, you're the new aide, and she just immediately takes like the um, the initiative right at the end to be like, now nah, I'll replace you, Van Staten. I'm you now. I'm going to rig my own elections because the Democrats are funny. Um, I'm going to go I'm gonna go hard on that for myself, and I think that that's that's sort of like the the, the replaceability of evil and the fact that you know she she is she is proving the point of um sort of like villains doing it for you know for for their intent for their own personal gain um and of their own um um what's the word uh, agency i think the actress is so great her name is anna louise plowman i really don't like her accent because <laughs> she, she's from new zealand and it's like a very you know when like a British actor who's very British does an American accent, you can kind of tell. It's kind of a Benedict Cumberbatch, and she's yeah, yeah, like worked in London, trained at Lambda, and it's just a bit weird, especially when she's next to Corey Johnson, who is American, and has a much more nat natural voice. I just sort of take it as a given that accents in Doctor Who, especially the first sort of season, and like when they've still got in, you know not the best budget in the world. Um, are a bit janky, yeah. Generally, the only accent that's not janky in um, Doctor Who is the Welsh accent, and that is loud and proud. <laughs> um, I, to I I totally agree with that. Also, when she said Diana Goddard, I keep thinking she's saying Lisa Goddard. 
Do you know who that is? No. She is a TV presenter <laughs> from like the 1970s who was married to Colin Baker. She's quite famous for being very nice. So. Yes, I think so. I, I swear you need to add a section of this podcast if Charlie mentions a name that is so niche and no one else knows. <laughs> and it's... Why a section? It's the whole fucking show. Oh my god. Fair, fair play. <laughs> I'm so glad. Oh, that's great. Um, I, I, I've, I've been experiencing this because, you know, Charlie and I, we've known each other for, for, for a long time now. I've been experiencing this the whole time I've known Charlie. Uh, and it's 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 wondrous every time Charlie says, "Ah, oh, you know this person." I'm just like, oh, "No, definitely hold, not." Hold on one sec, and then you check. And, it then, on and then Charlie's like, um, "Oh, you know, you know that they're, they're a TV presenter in the 1970s." And I'm like, <laughs> oh, of course, <laughs> of course, I should have known who that is. My my least favorite game to play. On the I had a lonely adolescence. We know. <laughs> no, we, the, my least favorite thing on this podcast is when is when you'll be like. Um, who do you think, which actor should have played this character? <laughs> and then you'll say <laughs> someone who I have no idea who it is and I spend the next five minutes googling every single one of your choices. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm a monster. No, it's alright. No, it's alright. I, I, I lurk. You're the human IMDb. And also, I'm, I'm also I'm a person that doesn't refer to act, actors by their like character names. I just refer to them as actors. I've been calling Christopher Eccleston Christopher Eccleston instead of the Doctor for the whole of this podcast. <laughs> so, um, going back to Van Staten before we move on, because we've gone off on a few tangents. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, the the, the original <laughs> like script of how how we're doing this podcast is out the window. It's gone. It's out the point. window when we have guests because we have too much fun. Yeah, that's true. With our friends. Yeah, and as soon as it backs um, up, yes. What is the plot of this episode? No. To be, if it if it helps, I've had the structure of the podcast on on my other monitor, um, and I'm following it as as best I can. I'm <laughs> no, I'm sure you. Honest. So 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 we. I've, I've got it right here. Um, <laughs> so Van Staten, it's very easy um, to watch a character like that now and think of. For me, it's very easy just to think of Trump. Uh, interesting. I think of sort of like Silicon Valley billionaire. Well, I actually thought more Jeff. I I thought more Jeff Bezos. Oh yeah. yeah. I, it, I think it's it's in it's in between billionaire with too much power, and we've sort of like named the triangle at the moment. Apart from Mark Zuckerberg. But to be fair, Mark Zuckerberg, like this guy owns the internet. He's rigging elections. That's that's a very Mark Zuckerberg thing to be doing. <laughs> I think Mark Zuckerberg is more similar to a character in season four, the one who is allied with the with the um, Sontarans. Ratigan. Ratigan. Yeah. He's, you know, younger and a bit more petty. But um, he was actually based on Bill Gates. I thought so. I thought that that would be the reference, considering it's 2000. You know the character's original name? <laughs> was it Will? <laughs> it was Will... I think it... I'm just going to check. I think it was Will Fences. <laughs> Will Fences. Billamy Gatehouse. <laughs> Microsoft. <laughs> um, Henry Van Staten was originally going to be called um, Will Fences, but the reason I mentioned Donald Trump wasn't just was actually just to shoehorn a mention of Donald Trump into the conversation because he plays Donald Trump in The Windsors. Oh, oh my god, course he does. And he's not that. He's not that good. In the Windsor. 
Well, I, I was. He's not that Trump-like. I don't think. I think he's got the American bolshiness, but I don't think he's got the Trumpisms. I haven't seen much of the Windows though. I need to rewatch it. So, what were your least favorite moments in this episode? Um, I've kind of already mentioned it, but it's the deaths on that. It's it's the deaths on that um, when they're electrocuted. I'm just like extras. You need to you need to cry out a bit more. There was in classic Doctor Who that I just feel like the ex, because the deaths were so like bad and the electric like the like Dalek guns looked so bad when they were firing etc. They had to really overact their deaths. And I think what's happened in this series yeah. is they're like, no, we're going for minimalist. We're going for like realism. And what th what that translates to is actors not caring if they die. They're just like, oh, I'm dead. And they just sort of like... I mean, like... there's a fair amount of screams in this episode. Oh, uh, yeah. Where, where it doesn't matter. When they are climbing up the stairs and the woman is shooting the, shooting the Dalek. Um, that's, that fear in her eye is what I want. That's what I wanted from everyone who died. Yeah. Um, that was great. Yeah, she is. She is. She is mil milking that little moment as well. Like she's doing. She's did some work in that one. Um, yeah, I was a big fan of her. Of just like, no, you guys run away. I'm gonna hold it off. And I was like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. An another really good death is the guy who gets his skull caved in by the Dalek because he's so because he's so surprised. Oh, yeah. And I, I think he does a really good job. I think some of them. It does feel like if you get a named character with a line, you give more to your death scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, I, I, I have also already mentioned my least favourite moment, which is um, like the Dalek saying, come rescue the woman you love. Um, and the, the, the big reasoning behind that is I don't think any sort of romance story lands for Chris Freckleston. I think he's quite, um, he's quite preoccupied with playing the Doctor in a different way and won't really pay off until David Tennant, which I think does land really well. And like, the Doctor and Rose for David Tennant does work really well. But right now, I'm like, we're six episodes in. Why are you trying this? Like, pipe down. But also, the love storyline is so weird with Rose flirting with Adam, considering the previous episode, she just got back with Mickey. Yeah! Ah, she's... Like, it's not even love, love triangle, it's a love... It's anyone but Mickey. She, she's the centre of a love map. Like, a love network. Like, we've got Adam, we've got Mickey, we've got the Doctor. Like, what's going on? And like Mickey's great. And then she gets annoyed that Mickey's with Trisha Delaney later on. And then you're like, Rose. So guys, um, Easter eggs in this episode. What are things that are subtly put in that we haven't mentioned yet? Because we mentioned, we always already mentioned the Cyberman. We mentioned the Cyberman. Um, in the museum, we suppose we can mention the the um, yeah. Slitheen arm. That is that is a thing from last episode. Very interesting segment is called Easter Eggs because in the museum there is an actual egg ah! Easter egg, which is a either a replica or original prop from the movie Alien. Oh, oh wow. really? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I, I hope that's right. If it's not <laughs> <laughs> But wouldn't it be great if it was true? <laughs> it would be great. Did you worry? Did you worry that it wasn't true when you saw the Wikipedia? It was just like one red line. No. Have you seen that on Wikipedia before? Where it's like it just it everything that's wrong on a Wikipedia page is just in red. It makes you think. Why wouldn't they just get rid of it? Yeah. Um, this I, is wrong. Why do you have it then? <laughs> um, I don't know if this is an Easter egg, which is how I begin every time I talk in this. Segment. No, I'm not saying it's an Easter egg. 
<laughs> now, I'm not saying it's an Easter egg. Um, but <laughs> this whole episode um, is written by Robert Shearman, as we've um, previously discussed. And Robert Shearman in 2003, yes, 2003, wrote a Big Finish audiobook called Jubilee. And a lot of this story comes from Jubilee. So I suppose this story itself is an Easter egg for Jubilee, or Jubilee is an Easter egg for this. Can you tell us a bit about Jubilee? Oh, I can. <laughs> I will Not too much, exact please. Same to tell. <laughs> um, Jubilee is set in 2003 and 1903. The TARDIS uh, materialises on the same spot in two different places and splits in half. One goes to 1903 and one goes to 2003. The 1903 Doctor um, stops uh, which doctor, Which Doctor is it? Colin Baker. Um, and the companion is a person called, um, oh my gosh, she, she's, not, she's now my new favourite companion, I've forgotten her, na her name, um, Evelyn, I believe her name is, uh, she is a 50-year-old professor of history, um, oh, and, and it's great, I love and, that. And it's, it's wonderful, and she, like, challenges the Doctor, she's really good with Colin Baker, because he's really grumpy, and so she, like, she just keeps on challenging, she's, like, very steadfast, it, she's great, um, so the Doctor goes back into 1903, and... Um, saves the world from the Daleks in 1903. However, the human race um, take the Dalek um, and lock up the, lock up a couple ready for public executions. They take then they then lock up the Doctor and cut off his legs so he, and lock him in the Tower of London. And they and then a hundred <laughs> year, years of the great the British Empire dominating with Dalek technology which they stole from the invasion, oh, wow. has led to a sort of parallel um, alternate world where the Doctor is the um, sort of god. The Doctor is god in the British Empire because he saved them from the Daleks and the Daleks are the boogeyman. So you've got the, the, the audiobook started and I genuinely thought that I was on the wrong thing. The audiobook starts with an advertisement for Doctor Who and the Daleks, the, t the, the movie, but set in this sort of wow. parallel world. That's so good. It's fantastic. And so and so the way that the Dalek comes into this and the way that this is related to this episode is that a, one Dalek is trapped without orders for 100 years and is going to be executed on the Jubilee um, to, sh to, um, to show like the, um, and complete like they've won. And then the Doctor tries to stop it but doesn't really work. The Dalek um, talks to Evelyn um, and has basically the same scene that Evelyn, that Rose has with the Dalek, apart from she doesn't touch him. And the Dalek decides at the end of the end, end to kill itself rather than to, uh, to rather than to kill. It kills everyone in the audience, and then then it's like to save the Daleks, I need to destroy the Daleks because. And it has there's this amazing scene where Colin Baker is basically trying to coax the Dalek into commit, committing suicide, and it's 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 like go on, do it, do it. Do it, and it's and it's it's the the Dalek revealing it's it like revealing a new nature of itself of something that can have free thought, but at the same time the Doctor's killing the Dalek by doing this, and it's really really it's it's fantastic. It's two and a half of um t hours of time that I could have gone on for eight wow. hours. It was just so well written, so I really recommend it if you are a Doctor Who listener, love this episode, and want to know where some of the ideas for it came. A lot of the same lines are used, a lot of the same imagery is used, but it's used in very different ways that it that it's, it uses the same themes, but there's lots of different outcomes. And because it's big finish, it can be a, the dark bits are really dark in this one. It's very, it's very, very cool. Oh, that's so cool. Um, 
Now that's um, really interesting. Uh, other Easter eggs, um, also stuff that's kind of set up for later. You have the first mention of Davros in the new series, even though he isn't mentioned by name. Yes. Um, they say that the only way to, for bullets to affect a Dalek is by breaking through the force field and hitting its eye stalk. Yes. Which comes to play at the end of this season. Um, we've got... Well, this isn't an Easter egg again, but um, in terms of Dalek destroying weapons, like this, this is a thing that happens in Doctor Who in the, over the next couple of seasons, where you have weapons that can either destroy or slow down a Dalek. You've got the Doctor's weapon in this. You've got um, the cyber, cyber weapons slash the um, Earth Two weapons of um, Doomsday, um, part, Doomsday, and um, what's the other? What's the first part of the episode called? Army of Ghosts. Um, and then you've got the weapons used by Jack in Jack and Mickey in Stolen Earth Journey's End. Um, so that's a no. It's it's Jackie and Mickey. Jackie, no, and Jack. No, Jack has. Oh a different no, Jack weapon. has the weapon that's used at the end of season one. You're right. <laughs> um, but okay, Jack's weapon in season one, <laughs> destroying Dalek weapons. Um, and it's interesting that the way you destroy a Dalek has to be genetically engineered something else outside of our control that is a gun that's a really interesting way that the daleks keep on getting killed um the way that the doctor stops the daleks is not always to do with a, a gun or a weaponry but it's interesting in doctor who like the doctor doesn't want to use weapons and yet the thing that keeps on destroying the daleks are weapons i mean thinking even to um season three and the the daleks in manhattan um two-parter and the daleks are destroyed by dalek weaponry yeah, but which which does make which makes a fair amount of sense. Yeah, but it's it, I I like the fact that in Doctor Who, Doctor Who is not about using guns to destroy force, but the Daleks are so dangerous that inevitably everyone has to use guns against them. Although they haven't brought in the whole thing of the Doctor hating guns thus far. In, in fact, he you know storms in with a gun to face off against the Dalek. Like that's 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 his um like first and only solution to deal with this Dalek. Which I, 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 it's not, it's not quite an Easter egg, but it is also, um, I think it's quite worth note that our first view of a Dalek in the revival is, um, we also get to see inside the shell, um, which you know is something they kept hidden for a very long time in the um, uh, originals. But um, oh, have you seen what they looked like in the original series? Uh, I, it's not. At the top of my memory. Did they look like Michael Barrymore? <laughs> um, no, I'm, they kind of look like... They Did they open it up like, and it's just Barrymore? Uh, what's the best way of explaining it? I don't know, it just had all these weird tentacles and they would pass out green liquid. I remember, I, I watched Genesis of, the da Genesis of the Daleks recently and the, what the end of one of the episodes um, is a Dalek... Um, like a, a, a new mutant Dalek because this is the beginning, like the genesis of the Daleks, obviously. Um, and it's just like a piece of fur and like on like you know that's what's that thing that you can it's like wire that you can bend and it's like it's like pipe um, fluffy. It's literally pipe cleaners attacking the Doctor, and that's the end of the episode. I just quickly just te check something, Alex. How do you pronounce Dalek? Dalek. I pronounce Dalek. How do you pronounce it, Will? Dalek. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dalek. Yeah, it's interesting. You you pronounce the e. I do. Yeah. Whereas we seem to pronounce it as an i. Dalek. Dalek. Oh yeah, yeah. 
It's my beautiful southern accent coming through. Yeah, I mean, Alex is from the south, but his dad's from the north, so maybe that's... And I'm from the south, and my dad's from Glasgow, so who knows? Yeah, and also you pronounce it Glasgow. <laughs> this is the su- the such the, the worst thing about being half Glaswegian, is that I can't do the accent, so anytime I go up to Glasgow and say, I'm half Glaswegian, everyone then just laughs at me. <laughs> like, I've had taxi drivers, like, I, I've said I'm half, half Glaswegian, and taxi drivers just piss themselves with laughter. In fairness, my dad's from Liverpool, and no one believes I'm half Scouse. Yes, that's true. Um, I can just I, about I, get away with ex- with saying I'm from Greater Manchester. But your dad doesn't sound like he's from Liverpool either. No, he sounds... I mean, that's probably why I don't sound like I'm from Manchester. Mm. But did, was that a conscious class. decision for him to change his accent? Because cause I know that my my dad really worked on, on making his Glaswegian accent more like an Edinburgh accent um, when he moved to the UK I, so that people could understand what word he was saying. I, I, think my, I think my grandparents didn't sound like they had a Scouse accent, so if you're not growing up in that environment, you don't have one. Mm, that's true. I also think the Scouse accent, as we know it now, developed hugely in the 1980s. Why? Why? I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there. I wasn't there. <laughs> I'm not an expert on Merseyside history. I find the Scouse history. accent quite sexy. I'm not going to lie. Why There's do you... something about it. No. No. Everyone else doesn't. Everyone else disagrees with me on this, and I'm like, no, I think it's pretty I li- sexy. I like a Speaking of sexy cool. moments. Oh, very good. <laughs> very good. I. No, no comment. You guys go. No comment. I'm just impressed with myself. <laughs> no oh. comment. Um, <laughs> We've already what mentioned did you find the sexy in this moment, uh, which is Rose and um, Adam. The, the, the Stoned Rose and Boring Adam. Unsexy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for me, I mean, I just mentioned it, but like David Ten- uh, David Tennant, no, Christopher Eccleston running in with a gun to face off that Dalek. Like he's got he's got some strong presence there. Yeah. He's owning it. His big dick gun. Oh, Charlie. We all we 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 all had it as subtext, but you've made it. What text. subtext? It's a podcast. <laughs> We can't read facial expressions. You can't see the dick written on my face. In, oh, I can. It, well, it's in Sharpie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, no, that's a very sexy moment. Um, and I just would like to say that you saying that David Tennant is erasure. And you should... <laughs> this, is, this is probably time to end before the, the fans cancel us. This is Eccleston erasure. <laughs> this is Eccleston erasure. This is the same people who start with season two. <laughs> So that brings us on to finishing thoughts. We like to end every episode by rating the episode out of nine. I would give this episode an eight. I would give this episode an eight as well. And I would take off one point for everything to do with Rose and Adam. I'd take off one point <laughs> for the Dalek healing itself. <laughs> I want the my, Dalek um, to be battered. My frame of reference is currently relatively low, so I'm going to give it a safe uh, seven. Okay. Uh, and well, I, uh, I would take off those points um, just because it's throwing me back to 2005 and I hate everyone's clothes. Um, but also, not just 2005, but 2012 according to 2005. Ah, God. Yeah. Although, like, seven of those points of the seven are because of the line, I own the internet. <laughs> or he owns the internet, or whatever it was. 
Okay. I just like the big um, energy of someone saying, I own the internet. It's so like, I, I just love the fact that it is canon that in 2012, someone owns the internet. <laughs> also, um, it's canon that the that Barack Obama, who is in an episode, who is kind of in an episode of Doctor Who, because it's set in 2012. And the he election becomes, is fixed, but... Yeah, <laughs> he is president because of Van Staten. <laughs> which is wild. Because he's funny. No, the Democrats are funny. Oh yeah, fair. But it may not have been Van Staten oh at that point. But that's that's mad. Um, yeah, to be fair, Van Staten's deposed. Yeah. In 2012, Obama got into power in 2009. But the implication is that he put him there. <laughs> so yeah, he did put him there. Yeah, in 2012. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, before 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 we go, uh, Alex, it's been a pleasure. It's been really lovely having you on. Um. It, Thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming. I've had a lot of fun. I would love to do it again. Faye, Faye Lawler last week and the week before, Alex this week. What, what a wonderful world. You're welcome. I mean, except for the quarantine. Except for the coronavirus <laughs> and quarantine. That's how we end. Okay, we done? <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> bye. Bye. Bye.